podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Lewis Hart for Boxing Social in association with Empire Fightstock and William Hill. Delighted today to be joined with Dan Rayfield. I didn't think we'd be joining again so soon, but you know how boxing works. But yes, I mean, sir. how have you been? I've been good. I've probably been a lot better than uh, Dillian White and the folks at Matchroom Boxing are uh, dealing with things right now. What a, as, uh, as I said to uh, a friend of mine earlier, what a great way to wake up. Yeah. Not really, you know, because here it was early in the morning when everything came out. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, well, we, we got the news through about lunchtime today that Dillian White has had, Dillian White's had an adverse finding in one of his tests. And next week, on a week's notice, that the fight of Anthony Joshua won't be going ahead. I mean, you woke up to the news. So what was your sort of initial reaction when you woke up to it? I mean, disappointment. I mean, anytime you see a fight like that get postponed or canceled for whatever the reason, it doesn't matter if it's a drug test or an injury or whatever the case may be. It's never, never a good thing. Uh, I always think about the guys who were affected beyond the main event. I always think about the undercard fighters who have put in their work and, and have done nothing wrong. And, and, and now their livelihood hangs in the balance as to whether or not the event will go forward. Matchroom's trying to keep the event, uh, keep the event on. I know from uh, talking to some of those guys over there that they're looking for a new opponent to put in the ring against Anthony Joshua to keep the event on. Uh, but I think about the uncertainty that you're going through, you know, if you're a fighter or anybody involved, if you're a ticket buyer, who's making plans to travel for the fighter, whatever, you know, you want to know for sure, are we going to have an event that I'm going to still go forward? Am I going to have to get a refund? If you're the boxer, you want to know, uh, you know, what do I, what am I supposed to do? I mean, usually they are professional. They continue to do their work. They, continue to strive towards their goals of uh, whatever um, weight, weight they have to make, that sort of thing. But it's just, uh, it leaves just a lot of people kind of in limbo and it's uh, it's not a good feeling, I'm sure. Definitely. And obviously it's very raw now. We don't know the details. We don't know what's happened. Dillian White's released a statement maintaining his, his innocence. Which Shocking, right? But is there not a concern with Dillian White where this is the third time now we've had PED issues. He's, I mean, he's tested positive. So is this a concern? I mean, as you said, when we see things like this, it's, you know, third time, it'd be very shocking to see someone sort of fail three tests and all the separate times. I mean, and it's like they've all been at various times. It's, you know, sometimes when you're involved in a training camp, you know, you're tested multiple times. And so if you're tested within a within a few days of each other, which happens, those tests may all come back the same because it's from the same whatever whatever is in your system, however it got there. That's what's testing each and every time. So it's not like it's yes, technically it's three separate tests, but in essence, it's one event because it's from the same situation with Dillian White. This has nothing to do with the other tests. One was many years ago. One was a couple of years ago. And now there's this one. It's like three entirely different situations. And that's not an accident. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he can maintain his innocence. He can say he's devastated and he didn't know anything about it. I read the bullshit statement that he put out. I mean, what do you expect? He could have had his lawyer or whoever write that, write that statement uh, last week, last month, last year. It's, it doesn't say anything. Uh, have you ever seen a fighter have, a, or any athlete for that matter, that had a positive test that comes out and puts out a statement that reads anything different than what he said? Absolutely not. So uh, I'll just be honest. I don't believe him at this stage of the game. One time, you know, okay, I can, I can see it. I mean, st- stuff happens. Maybe somebody gives you something, you know, maybe you take something by accident. There is contamination, uh, whatever it is. I mean, I get that. Second time, then you start to scratch your head. You're like, yeah, that's probably not an accident. Third time, like, you know, forget about it. You're guilty as a $3 bill. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, it, it, when it comes through now, people, it's harder. So obviously, people are now making the assumption and this and that. So do you think in a way where 
you see the three times and, and it's almost even though that we don't really know the facts, you know, that this isn't sort of no coincidence, as you said there. Well, I mean, we know the fact that he has a positive test, an adverse finding, as Vada calls it. What we don't know is what the substance is. So I'm willing to, you know, before I go, uh, you know, crazy about it or whatever, you know, you wait to hear what the details are. Obviously, everybody deserves their opportunity to, you know, so-called prove their innocence uh, or, or have their, their story or whatever the case may be and see if it, if it, if it, if it is believable, uh, see what the experts have to say about it. On the surface, so it doesn't look good because VADA is not some Mickey Mouse organization. They're a serious testing organization. If they tell you you failed the test, you probably had something you weren't supposed to have in your system. Again, we don't know what it is, if it's something that's maybe not quite as serious as other things. But at the end of the day, those substances are on the ban list for a reason. And uh, I have dealt with VADA testing in terms of reporting about it for many years since they've been in existence, really. And uh, they're the gold standard. And as far as I am concerned, and, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, it's uh, it's just an unfortunate situation for everybody. I feel bad for Joshua. Joshua's been getting ready for this fight. He's got big plans if he were to win. Uh, you know, we saw, I mean, first thing I thought about is if they get a replacement, remember what happened the last time they got a replacement. Yeah. Anthony. He got knocked out by Andy Ruiz. Obviously, this is a different scenario. This is not a heavyweight championship fight and, uh, and all that. But it's still, uh, you know, that's kind of a scary thing when you've been training for one guy and you change over a, uh, you know, he did not adapt very well in that particular situation. So, you know, I don't know who they're going to present to him for a, a potential um, replacement opponent. We'll have to wait and see. But as far as Dylan's situation goes, uh, I'd like to find out more particular uh, what the substance was. But whatever it was, um, you know, I have confidence that Vada has done this appropriately, as they have done, as far as I can tell, for all the years they have existed. Yeah. And the thing is, when and it comes up every time when we talk about PDs and we talk about sort of fighters failing drug tests, about the harsher punishments and this and that, because if you think this is the third time that there's been issues with Dillian White, so realistically, when you look at it, you know, if this is true, if he has tested positive, then, I mean, the, the strict punishment would be that you wouldn't want to see him sort of box again. But do you think sometimes people are really thick in a way where there could be a future, even though he has, even though he has tested positive? Well, I mean... I far as I can tell, he never faced any serious punishment in the previous tests. Mm-hmm. And now if you test positive for a third time in your career, you know, he should be, you know, look, look, have his, have, have follow the rules, have his ability to make it, make a defense and to have a hearing and do all the things that every, everybody's entitled to. And if it's proven that he in fact had another positive test, he should be punished to the maximum that he can be punished for period. End of story. Yeah, and do you think now it's more a thing in the UK? But the issue, the the whole thing with Conor Ben and that situation that happened, do you feel like maybe people's opinions and people, the media especially, are sort of a little bit more careful around pe- people when they test positive for PDs and they sort of tiptoe around it in terms of sort of before that people would condemn it straight away. You know, if you've tested positive, you know that's drug cheat and this and that. You need to prove your innocence. But with Conor Ben, do you think people are now a little bit more careful to call it how it is? I'm not sure what you mean by more careful. I mean, you just kind of got to call it how you see it. You take into account what the facts are that's presented, what the substance is, what the circumstances of the test were, uh, you know, what kind of defense they can mount. You know, I, I still don't believe Connor Ben is, uh, you know, some innocent flower that, that somehow something weird got in his system. I don't buy that at all. Um, and his case is still not 100% clarified, despite what his team that has spent the better part of all these months uh doing everything in their power to not be transparent, you know, in the case of Dylan, I hope that they are transparent. I mean, his, his cookie cutter statement, notwithstanding, uh, you know, again, you still got to 
I mean, I'm annoyed by it. I'm pissed about it. I hope, you know, I'm sure other people in this business and fans are also, uh, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to take a, a, a brief moment and let them explain themselves and hear what they have to say. That's only fair. And we'll see if it, if it uh, passes the ha ha test. Yeah, and as we look now, AJ is without an opponent a week away, but this card isn't short heavyweight. Isn't short of heavyweights. We've got Philip Hergovic, Dempsey McKean, Gerald Washington. I mean, even people are saying Derek Chisora. You think that these could all be options for AJ? I mean, I think that would make sense if you're matchroom and you're looking for a guy that has been training, that's been being preparing for a fight on the same day. It only makes sense. I'm sure that part of the reason that they put other heavyweight fights on that card was just on the off chance something like this does happen. Every big promoter that's putting on this type of big show should always have somebody on standby for that situation, whether it's officially on standby, you know, with a contract saying, here's what you'll get if you step in or, you know, a two-way contract where a guy's on the undercard for one amount of money. If they need to be pressed into service for the main event, they have a deal already structured. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case with any of these four heavyweights that you just mentioned. Um, I think that one of them could be the opponent, but the, 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 the sticky part about it in this situation is the following. This is not just a normal card that they can just do that with. This is a pay-per-view in the UK. And that takes on a little bit of an added sort of meaning because of the cost associated with it. So Dillian White was the bigger name, the rematch. I mean, he's obviously a popular figure uh, in UK boxing. The other fighters on there have their issues. I mean, Chisora obviously is a well-known name. But, I mean, is anybody going to really want to buy him as a pay-per-view opponent for Anthony Joshua? I think we know the result of that fight, as his popularity notwithstanding. And he's coming off of an absolutely one-sided destruction against Tyson Fury not that long ago. So that's, to, my, to me anyway, not really much of a credible fight. Gerald Washington is not a well-known fighter. He did fight for the title uh, a few years ago. I was actually at that fight in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, he put up a good account for himself against uh, Deontay Wilder, but he's you know, been in a little bit of a losing rut and uh, not at that level. It doesn't seem to me. Again, I wouldn't be objecting of that as the opponent is if AJ has, you know, got no other choice and we know he's getting ready for a potential fight against Wilder. And you actually might be able to measure how he does with uh, Gerald Washington compared to the way that Deontay did with him, even though they're separated by, uh, you know, a few years. Um, but again, is that a fight that that you could ask people to spend on uh, pay-per-view money for? I don't know about that. Hergovich. He's sitting there as the mandatory for Alexander Usyk, Daniel Dubois winner in the IBF. Is he going to gamble the chance to fight for the world title in a dangerous fight against Anthony Joshua on a week's notice? I mean, maybe if the money was right, I suppose. That's probably the most credible fight in terms of if you're going to make it a pay-per-view, I guess. Uh, but that still remains to be seen. I'm not sure that that, training for that Josh would want to take that fight on that kind of notice. That's a real tough opponent. And same with Hergovich. If he's going to want to take that kind of tough opponent, you know, and gamble his world championship opportunity. So I have questions about that. And McKean, a similar case to the other guys, not like he's a bad fighter necessarily, but just nobody knows who he is. How do you sell that on pay-per-view? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose another thing with Hergovic. Oh, and by you... the way, by the way, if you take one of those fighters and you slot him into the main event, that means the other, the guy that he's supposed to fight is left without an opponent. Yeah, you got to work that out also. So there's a lot of, it's a messy situation is the bottom line. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Well, it's uh, good to catch up for the short time that we did, Dan. So I appreciate your time. Um, just as a, as a last one, I know we always do it, but what have you got going on? Give a little plug to the newsletter. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just uh, as we've talked about before, if you want to get the posts and the info, go uh, to danrayfield.substack.com, punch in your email. You get the posts. You want to help the cause, you can buy the subscription upgrade. And we always appreciate that. We're working hard on it and having fun doing it. And uh, 
I'm going to knock out some stuff right now about this whole Anthony Joshua, uh, Dillian White situation as we speak. 100%. I'll always link it in the description. Dan, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we, I, I don't know if we'll be catching up as soon as we did this time, but I'm <laughs> sure we will be catching up soon. So yeah, good to chat to you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Lewis. Thank you so much. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.